0: Good morning to you, to those who are joining us online. I don't know if you realize this. This is something that we don't talk about very often, but uh, when we also greet those who are worshiping with us online, by the way, uh, YouTube is back up and running now. Um, When we greet those online every Sunday, we're greeting somewhere between 600 and 800 people every week. Uh, There's an entire congregation out there who join us in worship, and they are out there in Michigan, across state lines internationally uh, they're worshiping with us and so it is a joy to get to share in this moment with you before I begin I wanted to let you know uh, we get to hang out together we get to spend some time in God's Word together you're gonna be stuck with me next week too you know why because Pastor Trent and Lynn have COVID in Europe they're fine symptoms are really light light cold stuff but they're international, which means until they get a negative test, guess where they get to stay? And not like sightseeing stay, hunkered down in a house stay. So pray for them, pray for supernatural patience and quick healing. Um, and it's just one of those, it's just, huh. You never know what God's doing. So I don't know what he's doing in that, but he's doing something. And so we're praying for them. Uh, they might actually be one of those international folks worshiping with us right now. Now, they're five hours ahead of us. So what is it? It's uh, eight, eight something. What's that? One o'clock something. It's almost two o'clock. Um, so yeah, they're awake. They're up. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, also be praying for Pastor Kurt. He came back from Ecuador, had a great trip, and then he got like a normal cold. So he is out, and I'm not feeling so great today too. So both two of our pastoral staff are under the weather, and that means you're stuck with the rest of us. Anyway, we get to talk about God's Word today. We continue along in our look at Organic Disciples, uh, which those are crazy words to kind of put together and they can seem kind of daunting. If you were not a part of, or you didn't get to hear uh, Pastor Josh or Pastor Chris uh, kind of kick this series off last week, let let me just calm you a little bit, give you a snapshot of what those words mean. They're very accessible words when you get past how weird they sound together, organic disciples. Disciple is very simple. It's a discipleship. It's growing closer to Jesus. That's it. No matter where you are in your journey, If you are growing closer to Jesus, that's discipleship. So that's a real simple thing. We can grab a hold of that. That's easy to understand. Whether it's for us, whether it's for somebody else. The word organic is, what does that mean? It's way more than just bananas or other produce. When we say organic disciples, what we're talking about are these real life, kind of natural, it fits into everyday life, common sense ways of being closer to Jesus, and that's all Organic Disciples is about. Real life, common sense ways to get closer to Jesus. That's what these next seven weeks are going to be about. This is what we're unpacking uh, in this series. Now, last week was the intro. It was the overview of what we were going to be talking about, and today we're going to be digging into one of the the very first marker. Uh, Last week, you heard about seven of them, seven markers, seven things that have to be present in a believer, should be present in every believer, things that Jesus lived out, things that our Bible tells us are important, seven things every single one of us need to be growing closer to Jesus. And we're going to talk about the first one today, and that first one is the truth. Today we're talking about the Word of God. To help us with that, uh, to dig us into that, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And uh, we're going to start at verse 41. So, hear this, God's word, for us today. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Now, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom And then after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Grass withers, flowers fade, and the word of God endures forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us. We thank you for your word that lives here in our presence, that lives in us. Through your spirit, speak again today and help us to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we're starting by talking about the truth, our relationship with the word of God, and there are so many passages out there where Jesus either teaches truth or he quotes scripture or he talks about what God says, why would I choose this passage? What does this moment in Jesus' life have to do with the marker of scripture? Now, I want to start here because I believe something very deeply. I believe that motivation matters. I believe that why we do what we do often changes what we do. Uh, Let me give you an example. Uh, If I'm fasting, if I spend 36, 48 more hours not eating a single bit of food, I'm only drinking water, I spend all that time not eating. When the time comes and the kitchen is open to me, what am I going to want to eat? I'm going to want real food. If you say to me, look, you've been fasting for for two days, for three days, all I'm gonna give you is Brussels sprouts, I don't care. Brussels sprouts it is. Put some cauliflower in there, I'll even eat kale. I'm hungry. So you can give me real food. I'll want real food. I'll eat real food meat, potatoes, starches, uh, vegetables, fruits. You give it to me, I'm gonna eat it, right? What if I'm not hungry, but I'm gonna eat anyway? What do I want? Cheetos, where's that bag of Rolos that's been sitting around? When you go to the pantry, why you go to the pantry changes what you choose. Why did Jesus know and love God's word? Because Jesus loved to be with his father. That's why I chose this passage. That's what brings us back to this passage. Now, so often when we tell stories like this, when we hear stories about Jesus, when we read our scriptures, and Jesus is in the story, maybe it's just me, but I have this experience. I read a story, I I, I hear Jesus is in it, and there's this thing that's like, there's this holiness that I kind of expect. Like, almost like anytime Jesus is in the room, there must have been, like he glowed or something. There's holiness coming off of him. There must have been always a halo. It's in all the pictures, Right? And maybe he didn't actually walk on the ground. He kind of levitated above it. Because he's Jesus. And I, and, and, I, and I know better than that. I like, logically know better than that. But there's kind of like this feeling every time I'm t- hearing a story about him. And I, I put a, like a holiness on it. And, and sometimes I think that robs us of some of the elemental, real-life stuff that's going on in this moment. Think about this moment in the life of Jesus. Think about it from the, from the perspective of his parents of what's happening here. There's real life stuff happening here, real people interacting here, and we can connect with it because we know these feelings. We know what this would have been like. Jesus' parents, they do this every year. They go to Jerusalem for Passover. This is no different. Jesus is 12. They bring the whole family, family and friends. Everybody's along for the ride. And they go for Passover, and they have this big celebration, and it's wonderful. And then they start heading home. And about a day into the journey... They're looking around and they don't see their son oh no where is he he must have been left behind now jerusalem at this time was normally about the size of, it's about six hundred thousand people in this city but not during passover during passover you're talking about two million people and their 12 year old is missing Now they're searching for him. They're hunting for him. They're trying to find him, and they spend three days looking for him. So four days total, they have not been with their twelve-year-old boy in a city swelled with two million people. How are you feeling right now? Anxious, right? It's it's mind-boggling. This is what a parent's worst nightmare. I got to tell you a story about my wife. She's not here. She was two years old. You got a picture? Oh, please tell me there's a picture. No? Oh, I had a picture of her at two. And it's a great picture because she looks like she's going to get into some trouble. (laughs) She got this like wild look in her eyes. My wife was two years old and she's the oldest of three. So there's none none of her siblings were born yet. And uh, her parents were in college. Uh, her dad was in seminary, and her mom was in nursing school. And so they were living, they were living in a university town. And, you know, it's just, just big city kind of life. And uh, dad is heading off to go to either school or work. And he's like, oh, bye-bye, family, you know. Kiss the wife goodbye. And bye-bye, little Laura, you know. And yay. And, and off he goes. And mom closes the door, locks the door, pulls the chain. This is back in the 70s. Pulls the chain and goes off to do mom stuff. And little Laura's like, but I wanna be with my daddy. So little two-year-old Laura pulls a chair up to the door, climbs up, unlocks it, figures out how to undo the chain, moves the chair, and goes out to go get daddy. And my mother-in-law, Linda, At some point here, she's like, okay, Laura, we're going to go play some games or read some books, and then she can't find her, and then there's the front door open. And she rushes out, and she's like, where's my little girl? And she hears a bunch of honking happening not too far away at an intersection. She rushes over there to see what's going on, and it's a four-lane road, two lanes in both directions with a median in the middle. And guess what she finds? She finds little Laura in the median. She had gotten through two lanes of traffic and then got distracted by a flower, so sat herself down and was playing with a flower. She was fine. <gasps> like, you, you know that Mary and Joseph, when they saw Jesus, wanted to walk up to him and grab him by his ear and go, you've you got to come with no! Don't you ever do that again, right? They keep their composure. They walk up and they go, um, how could you do this to us? What, what, what were you thinking? And Jesus says, as if it explains it all, as if it is the most reasonable explanation, as if, as if it makes the most sense of any explanation there could be, why were you worried? You know, you know that I have to be in my father's house. Now, don't forget, in the Jewish mindset, the temple was where God lived It's not like how we understand it, where God is kind of everywhere. The Lord, through the Spirit, dwells in us. God is with us everywhere. Not back then. There was one place that God came down to earth, one place, and that was the temple, the Holy of Holies. It was the Ark of the Covenant that was his mercy seat. So Jesus wanted to be near. He wanted to be with his Father, right where his Father was, because he loved His father, he wanted to be near his father. He needed to be with his father. And then this continues to be this thing that's true of Jesus all through the gospels. We hear it over and over again when the gospels tell us very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. The Gospels tell us Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The Gospels tell us that Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Because it seems that even with all the important work that he had to do, being with the Father mattered a lot. With. With matters when it comes to the Lord. And that's hard for us as a do society. Like we're a doer society. We want to accomplish stuff. We want to, we want to be fighting. We, have, we want to cause. We want to th- have things that we fight for. Like it's ingrained into us. But there's a big difference theologically between being with and being for. This is a cool thing. Interesting that the walkers are in uh, Hungary right now. Uh, back in 2017, when we went to Hungary, uh, we got to sit with the bishop ...of the Reformed Church of Hungary. We got to sit across a table from him... And, ...and we got to talk theology... ...and we got to talk life and ministry. And he said something that impacted me... ...so much so that I, I typed it down... ...like I took the notes... ...and I didn't know that it would matter. And here, five years later... ...what he said applies directly to what we're talking about. And this is what he said. It is so much more important... ...to work with Christ... Than for Christ. See, when we work for Christ, it creates kind of a militarism and and it's prideful. But when we work with Christ, we rely on his power and it is a humble joining rather than an ambitious striving. Ooh. That's great, right? What does what what that mean? It means that when, when we're for something, we have all kinds of ideas, our own ideas that we think are important. We have agendas, and we set goals, and we have targets and accomplishments, and they're all measured by either failure or success. But when we're with, it's like living in relationship And the relationship comes first. When we come alongside the one we want to be with, we watch diligently for what they do. We listen carefully for what they say. We want only to understand what they mean. And we want to see how they are taking action so we can join them in it. That's with And in case we're wondering which one meant more to Jesus, not just for himself, but for others, just think back to that moment where he's hanging out with Mary and Martha in their house and Mary is sitting at his feet and Martha's in the kitchen doing all kinds of things for him to be hospitable as their culture dictated. And Martha gets upset because Mary's not helping her. He goes out and he says, Jesus, tell Mary to help me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. The difference between relationship and duty. Jesus says in Matthew 15, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There's also a moment when Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your name accomplish great things we did so many things for you and I will tell them plainly I never knew you away from me you evil doers Jesus chose to spend time with God Even as he had a mission, even as he was charged with tasks to accomplish, being with God was the source of his strength. He spent time with him, he prayed. You know another way he was with God? Through God's Word. Jesus lived in the Word. Jesus knew scripture. That was a, a way he knew his father. He knew scripture. He knew God's word inside and out. He was always quoting it. He was teaching from it. He was sharing it, the lessons of it. Jesus loved the Holy Spirit-breathed word of God. When he had to deal with Satan in the wilderness, the only answers he said to, that, to Satan were exactly scripture. That's it. The only words he said When he was teaching his disciples, trying to help them understand how God wanted them to live, he said things like, you've heard it said, and I say to you, teaching what scripture said. When he was on the cross, as he hung there dying, the words on his lips were scripture. You can't know who God is. It is almost impossible to be truly with Him if you don't know what He says about Himself, about His Son, about how He made things, and how He wants things run. Knowing what God says about Himself is one of the ways that we can be with Him. Jesus talked about that in John 17. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for those who would believe in him through the teaching of the disciples. He was praying for us constantly as he's praying, referring to knowing the word, obeying the word, sharing the word that has been shared with us. He actually says this in his prayer to the Father. I have given them your word, Father, and the world's hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am, but Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You can almost feel in this prayer. You can get this sense, right? He loved the word of God. He loved scripture. He loved what God had to say. And he didn't, it's not because he worshiped the Bible. He didn't worship it. You don't worship the Bible. Only God alone is worthy of worship. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They are the only thing worthy of worship. But you want an avenue, a clear avenue, holy avenue by which you are placed directly in the presence of God. Love his word. Love it. Make it a priority. That's what loving is. Love is a verb in the Bible, and it means to make something a priority. It's first, it needs to be top of your agenda. So if we're going to love God's word, how do we do that? there have got to be a couple of practical things that we can build into our lives so that this, one of the markers of being a healthy disciple, getting closer to Jesus, right? The, the seven markers, this is just one of them. How do we build this up? How do we become strong in it? How do we make ourselves so that we are, are, are these, these powerhouses for the kingdom of God? Well, number one, know it. Just know it. Try, like Jesus, to be with God through His Word. How do you love something if you don't know it, if you don't read it, if you don't spend time with it? How can I be with God if I don't know His words to me, if they don't live in me? And now I'm going to challenge you in something, and a lot of folks are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And I'm one of you, I struggle with this. Why don't we memorize the Word of God? It's powerful. You run into somebody who has the Word of God memorized. And you remember it. The first time I met Tim Brown. Anybody know Reverend Tim Brown? You heard of the name? Uh, uh, pastor Tim, he, he was the pastor at Christ Memorial uh, back in like the 90s. He was my preaching professor. And he challenged us, you need to memorize the word of God. And we were challenged to do that, memorize it, memorize it. First time I met him was in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And I was wondering about going to Western Seminary. I wasn't quite sure if that's where I wanted to go. And I knew he was going to be there for a conference. He was going to be preaching. So I went and I sat in in the congregation and he preached a sermon. And this was his sermon, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, from memory. Blew me away. I didn't know what to do with that. He's a man with God's word written on his heart. Does anyone here question whether or not Pastor Greg walks with the Lord? He writes God's word on his heart daily. There is power in it when God's word lives in us. That's not it. There's another way. I got a second one for you. Another way that we can make this marker healthy in us, that we can walk, uh, that we can can become stronger as believers, stronger as disciples, grow closer to Jesus, be strong in the word. And that is, number two, got to do what it says. we got to be obedient to the word. It is hard to be with someone when you choose to walk a different path than they walk. God makes it very clear who he is. He makes it very clear in his word what his kingdom is about. And he dwells within his kingdom. That's where he is. And he says, this is how I want this world to go. This is how I want things to be. It needs to be a reflection of my kingdom. And if we're over here and we're like, you know, that's great, but it's kind of old-fashioned and I don't think it applies anymore. I'm going to walk this path over here. We're not with him. We're doing our own thing. That's not with. That's a part. When we walk differently, we walk far from him, and it makes it really hard to know him. It says in James 1, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This has been one of the main concerns that your leadership here at the church has had about our denomination and why we have moved in the direction we have about changing denominations. By the way, May 17 is when the classes meets, Zeeland classes, RCA, when they meet to vote on our petition to withdraw. May 17. So be in prayer for that day. There are some, not all, some in our denomination, and they're not being corrected biblically who have actually put on paper in a document that scripture is insufficient to help us understand how to live life. And there's nothing we can do to correct them because of our polity. That bothers us. Because if I and God's word disagree, I'm wrong. And I need to be transformed to what God says. God's truth flows from scripture. He molds us. We don't shape the Bible to fit our preferences and and, and our thinkings. We, We need to do our best every day to walk the path that God walks to be with him where he is going. Not ask him to join us on the path that we prefer. That is how we are with him through his word. Jesus says in John 8, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Then you are truly getting closer to me. And that, there you go. All of that, all of that is everyday, real life, natural, organic discipleship. This is the first marker of how we get closer to the Lord through through the truth in his word. To be with him. Like Jesus was with him. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Um, we're grateful that uh, I mean one of the coolest ways that you love us, and you truly do love us is by, by giving us your words, by, by telling us who you are, by telling us how you've made things and, and how you want this world to reflect your kingdom. This is supposed to be a reflection of your kingdom. That's why you made it. It's a place to display and proclaim your glory. And as your people, that is what we want. We want that more than anything. And we confess, we confess that that we neglect your word, that we might not know it as well as we should, that we don't remember it as well as we might remember baseball statistics or who's first in the NFL draft. But we commit to you that we want to be with you, and we commit to you our hearts and our devotion, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to continue to move in us, to drive us deeper into this word that Jesus so loved, that we so love, so we can be with you, so we can be with our Father. Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.